Hello, my name is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. My prayer for you is that this message would be meaningful to you, that it would challenge you, and that it would help you move forward in your faith. To be a part of all that we get to do here at Redefined Church, visit us online at churchredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoyed today's message. Hey, what's up? Welcome back. This week, talking the foundation of family. We're in part two. In part two, talking the difference between rules and relationship and the reason for marriage, God's reason for marriage. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 19 today. And uh, before we go there, let's pray. Father, thanks so much for the opportunity to talk about what you would have for us in marriage, not to jump into uh, some type of uh, rules or half-truths, Lord, or my side versus her side or, or their side versus each other, Lord, but what you say about marriage, how you designed it, Lord, and the reason for it. I ask you to open our hearts. Help us to hear today, Lord. Thank you for taking this word and lodging it in people's hearts so they can move forward in it, so they can build better marriages and build better families. Lord, help people to move forward in their faith today with you, in you, and their relationship with you. And I thank you for all the good that's going to come because we gather today online. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. And so then, as we continue talking the foundation of family, last week we discussed the foundation for our life, for our house, and we talked about that being built on our faith, on our relationship with God. After faith, which is our personal relationship with God, the next would be marriage, right? A solid, healthy marriage rooted in Christ with Him at the center. That's how we build a great family. That's how we build a great family. First, I can't make disciples unless at first I become a disciple. So that was last week. This week, we're talking about that house, that family that we're in. And so then, meaning if I'm going to build a greater marriage or a better marriage, or I'm going to have a solid marriage, then the foundation for that is really found in Matthew 22, 37 through 39, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love one another or love each other as you love yourself. Your spouse is your number one other. Of all the others that we love, our spouses are our number one other. And if that's not true for you today, there's your starting point, okay? Get your spouse back to that first place in your life. If that means a cell phone, text, like putting your uh, significant other on your calendar, do that. Here's the reality. Marriage is under attack today. It's under attack. And what we see in, in, in what we say is what God has joined together, let no man separate. But what is man and media and the enemy trying to do? Separate us. The, he is constantly trying to pull us apart. More on this in just a minute. But here's the reason. The reason it's happening is because marriage is from God. It's of God. It's a gift from God. Therefore, what the Bible says is, is a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, be joined to his wife, and those two shall become one. They shall become one. And what I want you to see is today, less than 50% of people are married. And I want to uh, kind of compare that to 1930. In 1930, 83% of adult Americans were married. Today, less than 50% of adult Americans are married. And what we see is division. We see division. Abraham Lincoln said, a house divided against itself cannot stand, meaning two people walking in different directions are not walking in agreement. And this quote from Abraham Lincoln is really straight from Mark chapter 3, verse 25, where it says, a house divided against itself cannot stand, cannot stand. And what I want to look at is what happened. In marriage, if you are married or, or, or have been married or you're in another marriage, what happened? We, when we get married, we walk agreed, right? We take an oath and we said forever. And what's unique about Amos 3.3, 3, it asks the question, 
Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction they're going? Can two people walk together unless they agree on the direction they're going? And so then that's what we do when we get married. But isn't Amos 3.3 the result of the oath that we took as husbands and wives when we, when we agreed not to just do life together, but to be, to be together? And so, and I think therein lies the problem. A lot of marriages are built on an agreement, not an oath. And yes, you must agree in marriage. But there's an oath that we take as husband and wife, and many people step in not willing to let go of their way, right? And so then it's a, a belief that once we live together, once, I, once we live together, one will see the other's way. She'll see my way. He'll see my way. And, and as men we hear all the time, the, the woman says, I'll change him. And what do we say? The heck she will, right? And the battle begins and the battle begins and it's a battle of wills because I have my way and she has her way and we've never really established what our way is. And if you step into marriage like that, what you need to know is in life, in business, in sports, in anything, anything with two heads is a monster, right? Anything with two wills is a monster, not walking in agreement. And it's just a battle of wills, right? And the reality is, even though the convenience of living together is nice, without an oath, two separate wills, there's always going to be division. And that house is divided. That house is divided. And so my story is this. I grew up seeing a partnership, a negotiation. That's that's how I saw my parents in their marriage. And now listen, marriage is that. You do have to have a partnership. There does have to be a negotiation. But so much so that there was not a our way of doing things. It was always my dad's way versus my mom's way. And that's just how it was. And and it's not ugly. It's just, that's just the truth. Okay. And so that's what I thought marriage was, was, Hey, I pay these bills. You pay those bills. I do this with my finance, my check. You do that with your check. And if we have some left over, like, and I go do this with my extra money and you do that with your extra money and, and all that. Now that partnership is great, but with two separate ideas and it makes it hard to come to terms, right? And then so then we didn't take family vacations growing up. You know why? Who's going to pay for it? It's, it's, a, it's not a, <laughs> there was no oath. There was no our way. And so then a partnership with two people, with two separate ideas coming to terms, negotiating to come to an agreement is not what marriage is. And some of the time it works, right? When there's peace and when there's enough, right? And that now that you're talking about a whole nother uh, animal jumping into where our finances come from and how we even, how do we tithe? How do we actually bring 10% to God when you're doing this and you're doing this, right? And so then talking about negotiation, for example, when two com- when two companies merge or they come together, but neither one is willing to give up everything they have, right? The merger must benefit both parties or nobody comes to an agreement. There is no merger. There's no agreement. Hey, appreciate it. Great time. Great time talking to you. Had that coffee was awesome. But the negotiation dies because we cannot agree on the terms, right? And this is basically the understanding I had walking into marriage, right? Well, we're gonna have to come to an agreement. We're gonna have to merge these two together and and this. And 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 I tell you to ask Heather, but but we've already had that conversation, so you don't need to ask her. All right. And so in the beginning of our marriage, it was unique because uh, we were just thankful to be under the same roof and getting to be married, okay, without going into any further detail. And then what happened when we had kids is something something like hit me right in the face. I was like, wow, I now see myself as the spiritual leader of my house. When we were married, it was just like, 
she lived over there and I lived over here and we were happy to go on dates and go to movies and exercise and walk and all the stuff that we did. But at the end of the day, I had to take her home and kiss her goodnight and say, I'll see you tomorrow after you get off work. And, and I hope you don't have to work late because, you know, I have to work early. And so we go from that to living together, being married, getting to do all the great things that married couples do. It's amazing. And, but it was still, she went to work and I went to work and, and she drove her car and put gas in her car and I did this and, and we were very, very different. Okay. And then we get married and all of a sudden I realized, whoa, or we have kids. Sorry. We have kids. And I'm like, wait a second. Like I now see two people dependent on me and and that's a little bit different. And so then I, I immediately go to, oh, crud, man, I want to be, I really want to be a great dad. I really want to be a great dad. We can talk about that next week. Um, but first, I got to be a great husband. And so then in that, um, that, was, that was really difficult for me to work through because of what I came from, because of what I saw, what was modeled before me, what was modeled in front of me. And so then... Um, <laughs> After some time, we got to a place in our marriage where everything was was pretty settled. And um, speaking of which, happy anniversary to my lovely wife. We celebrated 15 years this week. She is my number one. She is my rock. She is the best part of my life. Heather, you are amazing. You're an incredible gift to our house and to me. I love you. And so then on our 10th wedding anniversary we decided to go away and we went away and we, we really wrote out what we wanted to see in our house. We had biblical values and a solid foundation, but then we thought, you know what, what's going to make our kids want to come back home after they graduate, after they go to college, what's going to make them want to come back? And we wrote down what our way was. Now, Heather had values and I had values. And so what we did is we came together on the common ones, which are the, the, the foundation of our house, they're the foundation of our marriage, they're the foundation of our church. We share the same values with you as we do in our house. We believe that's why unity exists. And so then that, so then we get to that place and then our transition here happens four years ago and we really realized, wow, we had different values in our house than we do in our church. And that's, that's broken because that I'm trying to wear two different hats, even though these values are, they're similar, they're not the same. And so then aren't, this, aren't, the, aren't the values that we build our house on good enough to build the church on? Absolutely. And so then honor, honesty, and hospitality is, is what we value together. And we believe those create unity. And that happened because I, started, I stopped fighting for my way and Heather stopped fighting for her way. And we created our way. Like our way was written in stone. And this is how we were moving forward. And, uh, and it's been amazing. And when you come up with our way, the Otis way. So we would call it Otis Family Values. OFAM Val is the hashtag I use. Okay. When we have Otis Family Values and, and we start actually living those out in front of our kids and they see them, that's when two become one. It's not, it's no longer a battle of her will versus my will and her way versus my way. This is our way. And regardless of everything that happens, is, is this honoring? Is this honest? Is this hospitable? Are we loving in this? And so um, that's it. So then where do we find our way in scripture? If we move past my story, our story of, of being two separate people and kind of coming into a way, me joining my wife and becoming one with her, where do we find our way in scripture? And this is the truth. 
This is how God designed and specified marriage to us. We find it in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm not going there today. You can go there. You need to look it up. That's it's it's amazing scripture to read about marriage and how we are to treat each other and honor each other and all the stuff that's that's inside of our house. But to find the reason, but to find the reason because it's great to have the instruction from Ephesians chapter 5 and you need to look it up. But the reason for marriage is why we must keep going. We must keep going. And that's found in Matthew chapter 19. Before we do, though, before we go to Matthew chapter 19, if you've experienced divorce today, if you've experienced divorce, please do not feel condemnation. This is not one of those messages. God never wants you to feel that. That's something that comes from the enemy. And so this is not about, oh, you should feel bad because, because something didn't work out. I don't want that for you. I cannot pretend to know what's happened in your past or the reason for your heartache, and I'm not going to try, okay? And so then this is not a message of condemnation, but I do want you to lean in. I want you to grab your notebook, just like I'm going to tell you. If you're single today and you haven't been married, God wants you to hear this message, so grab a notepad and let's go. There is this saying, but for the grace of God, but for the grace of God, there go I, right? And I agree with that, and I agree for me. But when it comes to marriage, it takes two people. It takes two people walking in agreement in that grace. I can't just walk in agreement and grace and Heather not. We must come together and be one in that. And so if you're divorced, you might ask yourself, well, where was God's grace in my situation? And when it comes to marriage, I'm going to take you back to it takes two people. You can extend all the grace you want to. But if you have somebody else who's not willing to go that far, it's not going to happen. And so then I would tell you that, but for Heather and the grace of God, do we go, okay? Now, what I hope you see is God is for marriage. He sees marriage as very important. He sees it so important that he puts his stamp on it. He puts his face on it. And so we see the design in Ephesians, but we learn the reason in Matthew chapter 19. And this is how God instructs us in marriage, and it's God's reason. How do I know it's God's reason? Because it's written in red in your Bible. And so then let's go to Matthew chapter 19, uh, 19 verse 3. Some context, this is the Pharisees. The Pharisees are coming to Jesus. They want to ask a specific question about the law, okay? The Pharisees come to Jesus, testing him once again and asking, is it lawful? And if you're underlining, you can you can highlight or underline lawful. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife or just for just any reason? And you see that word just there, it's italicized. They didn't say just then. This is something that we Americans have added to the Bible to emphasize the scripture, Okay. And any reason, for just any reason, and any means what it means, any reason at all, wh- whenever I want, can I, can I do that? And so they're asking God, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife whenever he wants? And 2,000 years later, just for clarity here, the same question is true for mankind. Remember mankind. Is it lawful for man or woman to divorce, to divorce, <laughs> to divorce her husband, to divorce his wife or her husband whenever they want? And we know the role and the view of women at this time in history was not what it is today. It's a lot different. And so then we're discussing the foundation of family and the role and the importance of marriage in the family, understanding that both male and female have equal, equal responsibility. And so in verse three, they ask this to God, hey, can I divorce for any reason? And here's his answer. You find it in Matthew chapter 19, verse four. He replied, have you never read Have you never read, have you never read, okay, so you've not read the Bible, right? Have you never read that he who created them from the beginning, remember from the beginning, we're going to go back to the beginning here in a minute, 
made them male and female. And so what you see here, this is a simple verse, but what he's saying is this, have you not read, have you not read the Bible? But, but it, because if you had, you wouldn't have to ask this question. Okay. If you had really read the Bible, you would know the answer to this question, but I can see that you haven't. Therefore, I'm going to, I'm going to poke you on this and say, have you not read? Okay. And he said that he made them, them being husband and wife. He made them husband and wife at the beginning. What's this mean? Before the fall of man, before sin came into the world, he made them at the beginning. Okay. And he made them male and female, meaning opposite sex. This is gender affirming truth. This is what God said. Okay. And then he goes on to say in Matthew 19, 5, Jesus said, for this reason, a man shall leave his mother, his father and his mother, and shall be joined inseparably to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Be joined is the word that people used when they were yoking oxen together, right? When they would yoke animals together. So the two, we put them in a yoke and they become one. So then be joined means to be equally yoked, meaning each person does their share. Come on, somebody. And because they do, those two become one because they're joined together. And here's the, here's the sad thing about marriage today. A lot of people believe marriage is 50-50. You do yours and I do mine. Okay? And that's false. Marriage is and always has been about 100-100. I give 100 and you give 100. Okay? And because man thinks that marriage is 50-50, when we don't like each other, what do we ask for? I want 50%. I want 50%. And the truth is, if you only think that it's 50%, you aren't in 100. And if you only want 50%, you were never in 100. So then, it's always been half-hearted, 50%. Marriage is not 50-50. God says marriage is a 100-100, meaning you're joined inseparably, becoming one not just by name, but by belief and behavior. So then marriage is a commitment on good days and on bad days. It takes 100% commitment from both parties, not 50-50. And so then Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 19, verse 6. He says, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And this Matthew 19 but verses four through six is the answer to the questions that the Pharisees asked. And they asked, is it lawful, lawful, remember, lawful, for man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And Jesus said, have you not read? Have you not read that when God made them in the beginning, he made them male and female? And a man will leave his father and mother and will be joined to his wife, and those two shall become one. Therefore, therefore, if you ever see therefore, it's good to go ahead and say, okay, what is that there?" For, let's dig in a little bit. Therefore, what's that therefore? <laughs> what God joined together, let no person in the world separate, including yourself, period. Let no person separate, including yourself. We can do that sometimes. So what did he say? In short, what was the answer? It, they say, is it lawful for man to divorce his wife? And what's he say? I'm going to paraphrase those verses, those verses. No. No, it's not. It's not lawful to get divorced for any reason. And so they go on, they ask him another question, then it's not. So then verse 19, uh, verse 7. So the Pharisees said to him, Why then did Moses command us to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? And here's how we Americans like to do this. We ignore that response from Jesus there in the beginning, even though it's read and from God, as he says, no. 
And we go to this next one. We go to verse uh, 19, verse 8. And he said to them, because your hearts were hard and stubborn, Moses permitted you. Moses permitted. Permitted, meaning it became part of the law, right? He permitted you to divorce your wives from the be- Here we go from the beginning again. He permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning, it has not been this way. Beginning meaning it was not like this until sin came into the world. But because of the hardness of your hearts, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses permitted you to divorce. Moses permitted you to divorce. Now, this is not an attack on anyone. It's the truth. It's straight from the Bible. This is not condemnation. It's confirmation. Okay? In every divorce, there is always at least one person with a hard heart. Always. Sometimes two. But for the most part, you're dealing with one person with a hard heart. And the go-to is always what Moses commanded, right? And Jesus says, no. No, Moses didn't command. He permitted you to put your wife away, to divorce your wife because you have or had a hard heart. And at this time, what you need to see is men were marrying other women and they were abusing, mistreating, um, neglecting their wives. And they were letting other men abuse their wives as well and not letting them go free. So the women were trapped. Okay. And so Moses made a commandment that became part of the law to give her a certificate of divorce, man, let her go. And maybe, and maybe, just maybe, another man will treat her like the child of God that she is, like the queen or the princess or the bride. Maybe another man will treat her the way she deserves because your heart is hard and you're and she's trapped under you and you're treating her badly. So then, because your heart is hard, give her a certificate and let her go. That's what So that's where... Divorce came from, okay? And what you need to notice or be reminded of is in the Bible, from the beginning to the end, Moses represents the law. Jesus represents grace. This is huge. This is huge. Before Jesus, all we had was law. After Jesus, we all have grace. I'll say it again. Before Jesus, all that we had was the law. Law, law, law. After Jesus, we all have grace. You see it in John 1, 17, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Here's the point. Here's the point. They asked Jesus, is it lawful? Is it lawful for man to divorce his wife? And he said, no, no, it's not. That's Matthew 19 verses four through six. And then they say, but Moses said we could. Okay. And that's really all we need. But because you're here, and you've got the reputation you do, and you are who you are, and we've seen what you do. Moses said we could, and he said, under law, you can. It's Matthew 19, 7 through 8. Under law, you can. Now, why? Why? Because Moses represents the law. And the thing is, we would think opposite. We would think that the law says you're not supposed to divorce, and the grace says it's okay. It's okay. And what we think is, is grace is like, Yes, you have grace, you know, follow me here. I know that could be difficult because it's, it's, there's a lot that I just said. We would think to defer to law. Okay. And the law saying, no, you can't. The law says you cannot do that. And then we would go to grace and say, but grace says, yeah, 
yeah, you're under God's grace, so it, it's okay. That's how we would like to go. And that's not true. Grace, per Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6, grace says, no, you may not. You took an oath, right? You're in a covenant. No, you cannot. Grace says no. Jesus is grace. Jesus answers very boldly in the red letters there. Grace says no, you're in a covenant. Meaning, you work it out. Meaning, let nothing separate you. Let nothing separate you. Law says yes. You have a hard heart. It's over. Let it go. That's what law says. Now, the law is Moses. That's Old Testament. It's yesterday. It's in the past. That's law. Grace is Jesus. New Testament, today, it's the future. It's the future. And so Jesus said three words in his response to the Pharisees that really stick out. And it's really part of the title of our message. For this reason. If you want to write that down. For this reason. For this reason what? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined inseparably to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Okay, so what's the reason? What's the reason? Here's what I want to go to. Remember in Matthew 19, verses 4 and verses 8, Jesus referenced the beginning. It was not this way in the beginning. Since the beginning, it was not this way in the beginning. He says it two times, right? And so let's go there. Go to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. It's going to be on the screen, so I don't think you're going there. You're online, so let's do this. If you're listening to the podcast, thank you for being here. Here's what God said in verse 26. Then God said, let us. What? We're in the beginning now. There's nobody but God, and he's made everything. And he says, let us. Us is plural, meaning more than one. And what he's talking is the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us make mankind. Okay, mankind meaning mankind, male and female, not a male. Adam, Adam means mankind. So then, let us make mankind does not mean man, meaning male. Okay, it's mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they... They, male and female, may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In his own image. He created mankind, male and female. In his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Really, really clear to make that, to, to affirm that point, right? Now, if you're single today, God said that he made you in his image. I know we're talking about marriage. Jesus is the example, okay? So you break away and talk to the single folks for just a second. Jesus is the example. He came. He lived on the earth. He was single his entire life, and he went to be with the Father. So don't stress out about not being married yet. You are an image bearer. God wants you to get this message first. Trust me, you're here for a reason. So then if you're single, be thankful for the season that you're in, okay? and the opportunity to learn more about who God's called you to be, because that's important for your future spouse. And right now you can be working on the on the person. It, would you marry you? If the answer to that is no, get it fixed, okay? Text me or call me and I'll help you, okay? So mankind is the image of God. You were made in his image, male and female. We bear, you bear the image of God. But it's not just any man or any woman, a husband and a wife. Adam and Eve were joined together by God. They were united by God. They were not living in sin. Remember, sin didn't happen until the tree and the apple and the serpent and the devil came, right? 
So in the beginning, what God's saying from Matthew chapter 19, in the beginning, before sin, I joined you together, right? And after God created everything, he created a portrait of himself on earth. He called it mankind. He created a marriage and a marriage represents God. Mankind meaning male and female. He joined them together. Their names were Adam and Eve, Adam meaning mankind. And God said, let's put our image and our likeness on the earth. And that's what mankind is. That's mankind. Male and female united, joined, inseparable, right? Becoming one. That's marriage. Because male alone, all the girls are going to like this, male, the dudes, alone are not the image of God. And all the women said, amen, right? Male and female, mankind, is the image of God. A marriage is the image of God. So then, do you want to know why hate, why Satan hates marriage so much? It's because marriage is the image of God on earth. It is. Think about this. Satan never attacked Adam. He didn't attack Adam at all. He didn't attack until the image of God was present. When did the image of God appear on earth? He got scared when the image of God showed up. He wasn't scared by Adam himself, by man himself. He didn't get scared. He was scared when the image of God showed up. And so when he looked at Adam, he, he couldn't see the whole picture, right? But when he saw Adam and Eve together and he saw both, he saw the image of God. And that's when he attacked. And you look back at Genesis 1.26, you know that God is three in one. You remember the plural language, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, us, our image, our likeness. This is God, three in one. And it's easy for us to hear that and look at marriage and say, well, God created us in his image. I know his image is three parts, but marriage is only two parts, man and wife. And that's where we miss it greatly. And when we only see this man and wife, that's when we see this 50-50, okay? And the Trinity is God the Father, meaning you were made in his image, right? Jesus the Son, you're redeemed by his gracious gift, by his life. He took your place. And God's Spirit, which dwells in you when you pray to receive it. There are three baptisms. The baptism of the Father is salvation. The baptism of the Son is water baptism. You are buried as the old self and raised to a new life in Jesus. And then baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is a prayer to walk in the full authority of who God calls you to be. Most people skip that third one and assume it happens with water baptism. It doesn't without words from your mouth. Okay, another message. Now, there are three parts to every marriage. A husband, a wife, and God. Those, those three people, God the Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, those three baptisms, and you owning that in a personal relationship with God, bringing that into your marriage with a husband or a wife, depending on which, which one you are, okay? Now, God made you in his image, he gave you his spirit, and he joined you together, okay? This is why you need a pastor or a courthouse to get married. Both still represent the authority of God on earth to unite two people, male and female, husband and wife, together, okay? Now, when you eliminate God from marriage and you defer to the law instead of his grace, that's what happens, okay? If I'm constantly, if I'm in a two-person relationship and God's not the center of my marriage, it's easy for me to constantly go and defer to law instead of 
God's grace. The old way, Moses, the new way, Jesus. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this, And though one can overpower him, who is alone? Two can resist him. A cord of three is not quickly broken. I love this EV. It says, Someone might be able to beat up one of you, but not both of you. As the saying goes, a rope made from three strands of a cord is hard to break. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, husband, wife, God. When living in a real relationship, three in one, when you are standing together and in agreement with your spouse and with God, hell can't stand against you. It can't. Because marriage is the image of God on this earth. In marriage, you're his image, you have his authority, and he's the reason you're together. So then he is the center of your relationship. When God's not in the center, you go from being a three-strand cord to a two-strand cord. And that only goes as long as there's peace. And then you finally find yourself all alone, standing alone. And that's when you get beat up to reference Ecclesiastes. And so when people come into our house here, our hope is that they would experience the values of our house, honor, honesty, and hospitality. And, and we believe that's true. We've, we don't know any different. You know, it's kind of like when you go to a restaurant and you eat bad food, you don't tell the people, hey, they come over to you and they go, how's everything tasting? And you're like, great, even if it's not. So we wouldn't know. But here's what we want when people leave our house. When people leave our house, me and Heather's house, Heather and I's house, when they leave the Otis house, we want them leaving going, what, like, what was that? Like, that was, that was awesome. We want them scratching their heads. We want them going, that was different, but different in a good way. And we want them thinking to themselves, I saw two individuals, but they were one. They were completely different people, but they were together. They were one. I mean, she was sweet and he was loud, but they were one. They were one. The world knows nothing about this, what I just said, stepping into a, a house and visiting with a married couple who is unified, who, who's not constantly fighting to talk over the other, who's honoring and respectful, right? Who's honest, who's real, right? And so then what the world honors is not marriage, you can tell by the statistics from 19 from the 1930s to now, what the world wants is they want you to be your own person. They tell you, be as loud and as crazy and as unique and as bold and dance as much as you can. Get those TikTok videos going, okay? You be you, you do you, and we'll all figure out how to coexist. Just different, more different. Keep being different. Keep being different, okay? The world knows nothing about this marriage, the marriage that God's created. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and he shall join his wife, and they shall become one, and let no one separate them. And for this same reason, Satan, the devil, the, our enemy, hates marriage, and he will do anything in his power to separate us. Marriage is equality, but with order. Mm. That's tough. That's tough for the world too, right? The world doesn't understand that at all, right? And here's what we get. Well, how could you say that, that it's equal, but there's a leader, right? 
how can you be equal if there's somebody leading? And all through scripture, what we see, we see God the Father, we see Jesus the Son, we see God's Spirit, we see the Holy Spirit, but in, there's, a, there's an understanding that who's the leader? God. There's, they're never, you know, trying to get over top of each other. You see it, there's peace, and, it, and it's clear as a bell, right? And equality with order in marriage looks a lot like dancing. I don't know if you know much about dancing. We took dance lessons once, and the lights are down. It's very graceful. It's very flowing. And what you know about these two people is they're agreed. They're in unison. They're going step by step, right? Step by step. They're yoked. They're in agreement. But one is leading. One is leading that dance. You wouldn't know it because everything is flowing. That's, that is equality with order, with order. And what I want you to know is equality. When we talk about equality, equality has never been an issue with God. From the beginning, he created mankind and he created mankind in his image and he created them male and female, male and female, he created them. Equality has never been an issue with God and it's not an issue in the Bible. You won't find it. In society, it is. And women have been treated poorly and disrespected for thousands of years. Okay? And so then, Equality is not an issue with God. Here's the close. Finally, a marriage is a covenant, not a contract. We're all in. It's 100-100, never 50-50. And what you see about the covenant you can find in Ephesians chapter 5, you should really go there this week. And what I hope you see is this. Pastor Jimmy Evans, he's one of the best. He's one of the best in marriage. And he says this. He taught it to me. Me and Heather have been through his book several times. There's a big difference between covenant and and contract. And here's the difference. If you're taking notes, I'll put this on the screen. In a contract, we protect our rights and we limit our responsibilities. That's law. That's Old Testament. It's Moses. In a contract, we protect our rights and limit our responsibilities. You do this when you buy a house, when you buy a car, right? Our rights, what am I going to be held responsible for? Not, not doing that, not doing that. Well, I'll do it if you do this, right? Negotiation, right? Contract. In a covenant, we give up our rights. We open our hands. There's grace. In a covenant, we give up our rights and we pick up our responsibilities. Yep, that's on me. Yep, I'm going to own that too. We take some initiative, right? We own it. That's grace. That's New Testament. That's Jesus. And this covenant, we give up our rights, we pick up our responsibilities. This is our example to the world. It's grace. It's what we want the world to see in a healthy marriage. With God at the center, right? If married, here's the covenant that you entered into just to remind you, okay? Here's what you said. For richer or poor, in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, and here's where you really did it, until death do us part. You said that. Now, I've been in counseling sessions in the past where people said, it's bad, it's bad, so bad. I'm not a counselor, by the way. I'm going to go right to the Bible. I'm good for one, maybe two sessions max, and then if we can't get agreed on the Bible, you got to go see a professional, right? And so then that's the covenant that you took when you got married, that's the oath. And I want to tell you this, if it's bad, 
you got exactly what you signed up for. Rich or poor, sickness, health, better, worse, until death do you part. Here's the good news. If it's good, you got exactly what you signed up for. Now, here's the covenant that God has with you. It's three-part as well. Imagine that. God's promised you three things in his covenant with you. He will protect you. I'm just paraphrasing here for time. He will protect you. He will provide for you. And he will bless you. That's God's covenant with you. Your covenant with him is exactly what the oath that you took in your marriage. You did that in front of a judge or in front of a pastor, a representative of Jesus Christ. By the power vested in me, I now pronounce you. That's the covenant. And God says, I'll protect you. I'll provide for you. And I'll bless you in this marriage as long as I'm the center. As long as I'm the center. So then when in a covenant, we always go all in. 100 to 100. And when we do that, God promises that he'll do the rest. It's Matthew 6, 33, if you want to look it up. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk and share about the foundation of our family when it comes to our marriage. How having you at the center of our lives personally and the center of our marriage is how we are to move forward. Lord, it's how we build on solid ground, on the rock that we talked about last week. Lord, thank you for that rock. Thank you, Lord, that it's sturdy, that it's stable, that it withstands the storm of life, Lord. And we can do the same thing in our marriages, Lord, if we will stand firm and trust you and keep you where you belong in the center. Lord, thank you for the people here who are going to be healed, find restoration, for bringing healing to relationships today. Father God, for taking this word and multiplying in their hearts, helping it to grab hold. Lord, planting it deep in their hearts where they can move forward in it. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be a part. Thank you for letting me uh, be used today. Lord, thank you for doing this in my life for allowing me to see the meaning of marriage, Lord, outside of Ephesians chapter 5, Lord, and in all the, in all the ways we are to go, Lord, but to see that, that this is your will, and we are the image of you on earth, Lord, as, as married couples, Lord, husband and wife, with you at the center, Father God, this is what people see. And so I just ask you to continue to help the people who are married, who are living in faith to do that. If they're not, help them to reach out and take a next step to establish a relationship with you and uh, put you at the center of their marriage so they can see life and fruit for better, for life, and for happiness. Lord, I love you. Thanks for helping me to be a part of this today and for bringing people home. Thank you for those who are supporting the mission of this church. I love you for them. I ask you to bless them and their families and their houses today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that God gave you revelation, that you were enlightened, and that you can see more of what God has for you. Make sure you take this message one step further by following through with our action steps so you can grow deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about who we are or what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at churchredefined.com. You can follow us on social media at Redefined Church, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Vimeo, or Apple. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your life. I'll talk to you soon.